I'm Peter Alakawi and welcome to Life School, the podcast. Each episode, I'll be chatting openly and honestly with a different guest about a whole host of purposeful topics. From personal success and failure stories, to relationship advice, tips and tricks for entrepreneurs, to professional and practical guidance on living a more fulfilled and happy life. I'll be speaking to men and women from all walks of life, all with unique experiences they want to share in the hope of inspiring you. I hope throughout this series you can take away some valuable nuggets of wisdom to help you navigate through life's many twists, turns and lessons. Here at Life School we are all about the business of learning. So let's get on with the show and remember everything you go through grows you. In this episode of Life School I am thrilled to welcome to the podcast radio presenter, author and communication strategist Anna Roberts. Anna's business, The Academy by Anna, features a range of effective online communication training programs which help entrepreneurs transform their dreams into plans and shows go-getters how to confidently share messages through effective strategies that Anna uses herself. Anna also has a two-week program beautifully titled The Fear Detox, which gets you out of your comfort zone and speaking like a boss. While her free training, Amplify, offers you free and effective communication insights and strategies. During her career, Anna has had the opportunity to interview some incredible entrepreneurs and media personalities, such as Gary Vee, Louise Rowe, and Huda Gatan of Huda Beauty, to name just a few. I am so excited to meet Anna and discover how she went from a self-confessed shy introvert to an international public speaker with a passion for helping fellow entrepreneurs and dreamers find their voice. As always, be sure to follow us on Instagram at LifeSchoolME for behind-the-scenes footage and further information on some of the topics we discussed today. Now let's bring on Anna. Enjoy! Anna, welcome to Life School. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for giving me your time today. Um, I know I shared this with you earlier, but when I first started thinking about launching a podcast and putting the wheels in motion you were someone that I really wanted to interview oh that's so Um, awesome to hear so thank you so much no I'm excited to be here and this is a beautiful room as well yeah thank you surrounded (laughs) by the leopards great for a podcast (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's okay people will see on the video okay great (laughs) please can you share a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey so far well um to squeeze it all down into a nutshell i became an entrepreneur um for sort of a two-pronged reason one i identified a gap in the market where there wasn't communication um, coaching or public speaking media training and personal branding that was affordable for entrepreneurs and for people sort of in the first 10 years of their career oftentimes that type of training and that type of guidance is reserved for those who are um, generally senior managers they are the ones that work for multinationals have the big budgets and have the time and the ability to pour into that type of specialized training but really they're not the people that need it because they've had those 10,000 hours of refining refining their craft so to speak and so I wanted to be able to give people the gift of communication that I had been taught myself because communication obviously is a learned skill anyone can learn it and I wanted people to have the ability to speak with clarity and with confidence and with creativity because communication is both an art and also a science. And so I really wanted people to, to harness what it was and, and to use it to elevate themselves in the world, be that in their professional careers or for a new um, product or service that they were bringing to market. I also wanted to have um, freedom over my career because when you're in the corporate world, 
your career is for the most part up to somebody else. It will be your boss that will put you up for a promotion or it will be the HR department that will send you for training or it will be uh, the accounts department that will give you the green light for uh, um, a budget approval or for a bonus. And I hated the fact that every time I wanted to increase my um, uh, sort of level on, on the hierarchy or, or go up a, a notch on or a rung on the ladder, I should say, it was always sort of an audition that I had to do. Granted, I was in media, that's sort of the name of the game, but there was something about it that I thought I wanted to have control over my career and control over my destiny and not leave it up to somebody else. And so being able to go into business and becoming an entrepreneur allowed me to take control of that. It um, was both empowering and um, exhausting thinking about it, sort of in the same thing. Scary? Sentence. Very scary, yep, as well. But at the same time, um, if I didn't believe in myself, how would I expect anybody else to believe in me? And so with a very simple statement like that, it, it's very easy to all of a sudden come out of your mind and come back to the present situation where you thought, I'm, I'm in the middle of setting up my business, I've sort of got to do it now, I've already resigned, resigned from my job, you know, there's no turning back. Um, and that was 2015 for me, and so I, I sort of started on that journey. 2016 was really great, working with great clients, really understanding exactly what I enjoyed doing and you know the parts of business that you sort of think, oh, you know, didn't think about this when I wanted to, to set things up. Um, and then 2017 was a really interesting year personally because I sort of had a, a clash of my professional dreams meeting a, a personal reality, which was of course becoming pregnant, so yeah. And can I ask, because a lot of people who are working for someone but have um, you know a dream to have their own business whatever that might be they never know when is the right time to actually do you quit so you can fully focus on it do you start it on the side obviously it depends on your circumstances but how did you do it so I did the side hustle version of Love that side hustle. so <laughs> I um, I because we're obviously in the UAE in order to start a business you need a trade license and you've got to make sure that you have all of your ducks in in a row in order to get that trade license though back in 2015 there weren't um, cheaper options available like you do have these days with the e-trader or, or you know those types of new services that have come um, up from from the government and so I had to go for a free zone license which was the cheapest for me um, it was 30,000 dirhams and I had 30,000 dirhams uh, saved up so I put all of my life savings into setting up this company and I basically was able to freelance in radio and at the same time be able to also set up my business and develop that with clients. And I have spoken to numerous entrepreneurs from all around the world. A lot of them were made redundant and then had to you know, figure it out along the way because it was the only way for them to sort of survive or, or keep moving yeah, forward. Yeah, they're pushed almost. Yeah, yeah. And some people, that decision is already made for them. Um, but I always insist to people who have an idea or have a, um, a dream or an aspiration that creating a minimum viable product, assessing the market, assessing your customers, understanding exactly what regulations are out there, you know, your sort of classic, you know, pistol model if you've gone to business school, seeing exactly what those non-market forces are, surveying what's going to have an impact on your business and then making a calculated decision to either go ahead or, or squash it is really the best idea, but you have to be willing to put in the hours to, to test that idea, be it a product or a service. And, and that I think is what stops a lot of people because we come to conclusions in our head that aren't necessarily right all the time. Well, that leads me on to my next question actually. What do you think it takes to be an entrepreneur? 
Oh, it's definitely contextual. You know, my vision of being an entrepreneur now is being able to have a clear head when I pick up my kids from school. Um, ask me that, you know, back in 2015, back in 2016, I would have said the classic hustle, working seven days a week, um, you know, giving your all to, to this business. So my renewed approach to entrepreneurship is to really measure success in your own lane. You know, my idea of success is obviously being able to run a profitable business. But aside from that, I also have different measurements that I make. And that's in terms of having great like-minded people who work alongside me, being able to work seasonally so that I can have school holidays with my children, um, being able to pick them up uh, from school with a clear mind and be able to dedicate and be present with them in, in those moments and also to have the weekend. I, I have a, a strict no work on the weekend policy. And these are the types of boundaries that I've set for myself as an entrepreneur. But if you were to, to yeah, talk to me three years ago, my idea of entrepreneurship was very, very different. My business was at a, at a very different level. And so I think the overarching theme of all of that is, is change and adaptation. Whether you're changing to the demands of the environment, the economy, um, demands of distributors and demands of um, supply chain. You know, something is always constantly changing in business and, and that's the only constant that you have. Do you think anyone can be an entrepreneur? Because I feel like now there's a big trend around it almost. Yeah, it is, um, a, it is a very big buzzword. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. And, and especially female entrepreneurs. You know, I got a lot of free publicity and free press when I started out my business purely based on the fact that I was a female entrepreneur and you're sort of put up there as this golden goose, which I think is amazing and incredible. And, and I will be a feminist until the day I die. And, and then some, I'm imparting it onto my boys. So my legacy will, will live on in that sense. But at the same time, um, just getting PR publicity for starting up a business doesn't necessarily you know, merit value in the marketplace. And it's something that I've had to be very careful about because obviously I work in media, I love recognition, I love being able to be in the spotlight. But if it's quality over quantity, does that necessarily work in your favor? So that's sort of food for thought. But, but to park that for a second, being an entrepreneur, I think, has a thousand different definitions. You look at the Seth Godins or the Tim Ferrisses of this world, they're a different type of entrepreneur along the lines of, of Gary Vaynerchuk or, um, you know, Sophia Amoruso from Girlboss. I, was even, I love her. I was even I love reading her podcast. an interview with um, Anna Winter, the, um, the, the editor of, of, you know, Vogue US. And, and, you know, these are all different types of people who are in business. I think the best... Um, advice that I can say to sort of answer your question is that an entrepreneur is sort of the new industrialist and if you can look at something that we have had for a very long time, a service, a product or an industry and something that needs to be disrupted and, and something that you may be the best fit for in order to see that idea to fruition, that is an entrepreneur. Um, merely starting up a business I don't think falls under that category but it doesn't less define you know what they do or, or take away any of the merits of their success at all entrepreneurship certainly has been bandied around a lot am i an entrepreneur i'm someone i see who started a business out of necessity and and also out of seeing a gap in the market so probably half half i'd say yeah yeah i i actually love that no one's really um made me think about it in that way 
Okay. Actually. Oh, I'm glad yeah. I could bring some value yeah, to you then. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for that. I, I really, yeah, I enjoyed that answer. Um, okay, so for my next question, this is actually something that you uh, you mentioned when we were communicating via email mm. in the lead up to this interview, which is being an introvert yeah. in an extrovert industry. Uh-huh. And this is something that I can really resonate with. <laughs> um, how do you cope with this? And, wh- and what does that mean to you? So for a long time, I think I denied my introversion. Um, and it wasn't until I started doing a little bit of self-development, um, obviously Red Quiet by Susan Cain, and a light bulb went off with that. Um, but recognizing that I'm not a shy person, I'm naturally curious, I naturally love to engage with people, I naturally love to better understand other people and their experiences and, and to, to create some bridges and some connections from that is really empowering because I love to do that on the one hand, but I also know that in order to do that, I need to have that time away from people and that time to rest. And I, for a long time, denied my introversion because I worked in media and I had to be present and I had to be the one that was hustling and working my way up the career ladder until it exhausted me and until I was diagnosed with burnout and I realized wow, there are a few colleagues that I work with that can do these crazy 16-hour days and can constantly be around people, especially in sort of, you know, confined spaces or be around large people, be that at events and, and you know, feel at home there amongst a crowd. But I recognise that I wasn't one of those people. And a little bit about that acknowledgement frustrated me because I, I wanted to be them. But at the same time, I realized you can't fight who you naturally are and leaning into my introversion and not necessarily using that as a crutch or as an excuse to sort of, um, you know, excuse myself from life or or from my career, but to really understand that if I'm going to put 100% in to this day, uh, for example, where I've had meetings all this morning and now we're here this afternoon and I know I've still got emails to go and I know that I still have to pick up the boys. Um, I know that tomorrow is going to be a bit of a quiet today. I know that last night I got a full eight hours of sleep. Thank you, boys. And so I balance it out that way. And and self-management has been the best approach to to managing my introversion and understanding that in order for me to perform at my best, I need to take the best care of myself, which is really hard as a mother, but I do it in ways that, that works for me and my family. I mean, I'm not a mother yet, hope to be one day, and I'm surrounded by a lot of women that are. And I often say to them when I'm, you know, we're talking about how we're feeling and coping, I often say, God, I, I feel guilty even saying this because I don't have kids. Mm. So sometimes I can't imagine how it feels when you are feeling overwhelmed and exhausted to bring kids into the mix. But what you just said speaks to me so much because if I've had a day, even for today, for example, some days I feel really on fire I'm ready to connect I feel like everything just comes very naturally yep. and other days it's a real struggle mm. and some days some days you don't have the choice you can't rearrange things you need to do it um and then I know to be a little bit kinder to myself the next day yeah so okay maybe you do need to rearrange those meetings and just have an admin day or um but yeah then sometimes you can really beat yourself up about it because you're like why can't I just be on it all the time and everyone um, on social media is on it all the time it appears that way doesn't it so is that what an introvert extrovert is because I've been described as that before okay yeah and I find myself sometimes describing myself as that but I don't know if I fully understand what that means to me I'm thinking it's it's some days I can I feel very extrovert yeah and then other days I I don't really feel 
I want to be around anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what an introvert extrovert is? I think on a very basic level. I think it's it's honestly whatever connects with you. We can talk to the nth degree about labels and I know that some days I can be completely fired up. The day that um, I was at Charger Entrepreneurship Festival, one of the highlights of my career, I interviewed Gary Vaynerchuk and was on stage with Hoda and Monica Monica Tan. Um, Just an incredible day. But that day was four months in the making and the build up to it was intense because I I had to get up early in the morning, make sure the boys were okay, head off to work, host a full three hour live radio um, program and then immediately jump in the car, head across and um, got into Sharjah Entrepreneurship Festival where there's thousands of people. Um, already things going on on stage, you know, people are lined up outside. There's there's an overwhelm of all of the senses. And then we hear, okay, Gary's arrived, he's ready to go. Cameras get checked, audio gets checked. I put on my backup audio recorders because I back up everything. And then he walks in and uh, the PR person says, I had been told that I would have four to five minutes with Gary. And she said, you've got two, he's got to get up on stage. So immediately I go to my three main questions that I had been rehearsing, um, ask them those, quick fire out, and I ended up getting two minutes, uh, 49 seconds of audio with him, and immediately go from that, get changed, different outfit, and get ready to then prep Huda and Mona, who had come through a back entrance with security, and meet them with hundreds of people piling around us trying to just get a picture and a glimpse and and some sort of connection with Huda and Mona because they're you know literally rock stars it's insane I've never seen someone with a reception like that Um, and then go up on stage with them and then get off and I then have to host um, uh, be a part of my own Q&A on on a third stage so I'm there for the entire day and then all of a sudden I get to three o'clock and think I've got to pick my kids up from uh, from daycare where they are and I'm overwhelmed just listening to this yeah I'm like Oh my goodness, but that's I, a lot. I prepped for that day four months in advance. So I knew exactly what was yeah. going to happen. Like clockwork, I worked with amazing people. The whole team at Charger Entrepreneurship Festival are just, you know, they're incredible at what they do. And it went off without a hitch. But then you get home and you're still half buzzing, half exhausted. And I spent the rest of the week in this daze. And I knew that I would be like that, so I made sure that I blocked out everything else on my calendar, and I made sure that it worked for me, because I know that I can't operate for you know two or three days like that, and that's just the reality of the situation. If you if you want me at my best, and if I want to be at my best, then then I have to be truthful about my energy levels and about who I'm spending my time with. And only you can recognise yeah. that as well and do something about yeah. it. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time this is why we run into burnout because we're not really recognising it. We're not listening to our bodies. We're not. We're just trying to do as much as we can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that really that really resonates with me. And and actually, I just. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I was on a coaching course yeah. and it's, it was the first three days of the, the face-to-face uh, part of the course. And I knew that on Sunday, I knew this would take all of my energy mm-hmm. um, for a lot of different reasons. And on Sunday, I made sure that I could just have an admin day at home, yeah, uh, which I needed as well. But I knew that I wouldn't be able to be present with anyone mm-hmm. because all my energy and I knew and I knew it was coming up. So I've been preparing for it for yeah. the past few months. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I made sure I gave myself that time. And yeah. a couple of the people on the course were like, I've got to be at work at 8am tomorrow. I've got a meeting with my boss yeah. at nine. I've got a prep tonight. And I just thought, God, I'm so grateful. Completely. And this is what being an entrepreneur means to me. So I'm connecting the dots here. Because yeah. that to me means 
no, I am doing something right because it means I'm I'm in control of my own schedule. Yeah. Um, and I felt very lucky and grateful that I could do that mm-hmm. um, so that I could get my energy up for today as well. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> We've actually touched on a couple of the people that you've interviewed. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you've interviewed some incredibly talented and successful entrepreneurs throughout your your career. I've been very lucky, very lucky, and um, to and to have great interviews as well. Yeah, yeah. I actually watched the Gary V one and and Hood Ramona one again. Oh, yeah. last night. <laughs> um, what's been your favorite interview so far, and why? Um, a personal favorite would probably have to be with uh, former New Zealand Prime Minister Helen Clark. Um, who was also a few years ago in the running to be uh, Secretary General of the United Nations. There's a great documentary called A Year with Helen, which shows the the build-up to that and the subsequent result. She um, was our second female Prime Minister in New Zealand. New Zealand was the first country back in, I believe, 1893 to give women the vote. Uh, We are a very small country at the bottom of the world of um, 5 million people, but a million live outside of the country, so we've only got 4 million people inside of New Zealand. It's tiny. Um, And we have always been small, nimble, progressive, um, very much put uh, people and the environment first. And Helen Clark has had this incredible career, which she is still working. I mean, her schedule is crazy. But I love the fact that she's so active on Snapchat and on Instagram as well. She makes time for social media because she knows that's the way that people connect. She doesn't have an entourage. Um, if, if you want to talk to her, you drop her an email. Um, she has uh, one of those, what are those tags um, that are in the box where if you click a, like take a picture of them, it comes up into a website. Um, what are these? Um, they're, they're like s- smart tags. I don't know the actual name. Somebody's probably going to be screaming at, at their phone, <laughs> yelling out what the actual name they is. They can tell us what it is. Yeah, and, and like she's just so ahead of the game for somebody who's, what, in her uh, 60s, 70s now? How, how did this interview come about? You, you mentioned there you can just email her. Is this something yeah. that you, you made happen or is, was this through no, your work on the radio? Or how did it happen? You know, when I was growing up, and I think the image that a lot of people have is, is that, um, you know, uh, celebrities, people of, of public notoriety and things like that are completely out of touch. They have nothing to do with our lives and, and they are sort of on this other level that we mere mortals will never, never attain, you know, and we strive our entire lives to have little, you know, glimpses of them. Aspirational living, you know, it's, it's what capitalism essentially is based on. But the secret is, is that they're just people at the end of the day, you know, they still go through the trials and tribulations, they still experience all of the array of human emotions just in a different way. And, and recognizing that all of a sudden you realize, oh, we're, we're a lot closer than, than initially, you know, we, we thought that we would be. And then you start to realize, and especially from working in radio, when you want to interview someone uh, or you want to speak to or you want to engage with someone, all you have to do is get over yourself and and cold call or cold email them because oftentimes they'll be far more receptive than, than you are actually probably giving them credit for. So I actually was lucky enough to be a part of a dinner with Helen Clark when she was here uh, towards the end of 2000 and, um, 2017, early 2018. Um, there's obviously Kiwis, everyone knows each other. And so the ambassador um, was, was um, very kind to invite me along to his house for um, dinner at the residence. and. My gosh, she was she was just standing there um, as they had sort of like welcome canapes and things. And I walked in and I was like, 
it's Auntie Helen, which is what we call her in New Zealand. And um, she comes over. The strongest handshake I have ever encountered and says, Anna, I hear you've got twins and you've got a business. And I thought, oh, wow, she knows me. Yeah, it was just it was just incredible. And I said, yes, obviously, she's been briefed. You know, this is what happens in politics. She's been briefed. She knows how to strike up conversation with anyone. She says, oh, great, you know, really great to hear. And I said, oh, I, you know, I actually um, do a little bit of work in TV and radio and I, I do some interviews myself. I'd love to be able to set that up. And she says, great, next time we're in, you know, in the UAE, you'd love to do that. You know, she's very to the point, matter of fact. And um, we actually had a joke at the end of the <laughs> dinner how the, the meat was a little bit tough and we, we both didn't enjoy it too much. So a little bit of bonding time. And then um, we had a change in ambassadors here in the UAE. So I kept in contact, networking just through Twitter with the, the current ambassador, Matt. We don't go by titles in New Zealand, we're very casual. So I messaged Matt and I said, hey, Auntie Helen's back in town. I met her at a dinner last year with Jeremy, but you know, I don't know if she remembers me. She meets thousands of people probably and she's been traveling everywhere. And he said, oh yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, so he messaged her um, and, and I thought, okay, cool. If that's come from like a third party, it would have been like vetted and you know, have a little bit more prominence than, than just me reaching out on my own. And um, lo and behold, she said, oh, yeah, Anna, oh, great. I'll, I'll hear how the twins are. Yeah, cool. And so Matt was like, yeah, Helen's really excited to see you. And he was just sort of blown away. And then we, we um, managed to meet in person. She came bounding up, big hug. Anna, how are the twins? How are the boys? Great, let's talk about this and that. And yeah, and I, I got to interview her and, and just you know outline very simple questions. I don't work as a political reporter or, or journalist. And so you know it was sort of very current affairs. And, and um, as per you know, our, our sort of broadcasting um, uh, guidelines. And so it was just incredible. And, and now I have this rapport with her, which is amazing very uh, sort of a, a juxtaposition of another powerful woman is Serena Williams who I um, spoke to in a media scrum and was just incredibly overwhelmed by you know she's an incredible presence physically and and also you know just the way that she holds herself um, an incredible athlete and I was granted one question with her from from her her press person and in front of this you know, these peers of, of mine, these other journalists, I looked up at her and as she stared down at me with my little recording device, the only thing that I could sort of pluck up the courage to ask her, and this is before the Rio Olympics, um, was, is Rio still on the cards? Which is terrible because it's a closed question. She can either answer yes or no, you know, it just, it could have fallen apart completely. And I think there must have been some uh, look of desperation in my eyes because she looked at me and she said, yeah, Rio's still on the cards. And I thought, oh God, that's all I've gotten from her. And she said, you know, there's a lot of things that'll depend on. Obviously we've and had some people. And then she few... went into it. Yeah, and just the sigh of relief, like you know. Sweaty palms, yeah. oh my goodness. Yeah, but just, you know, and I still I still have the vision in, in my head of, of, of standing there with her in these black uh, lycra leggings and a, a top with her hair pulled back, just glimmering down at me as the sun sort of shone into me. and. I had this press pack behind me, which is just so intimidating. Yeah, yeah. How do you um, how do you cope with nerves? I mean, you oh. said that um, Auntie Helen, um, yeah. you felt a bond, so that must have, um, I'm guessing, made you feel a little bit at ease. Yeah. But how do you cope? And again, you've mentioned okay, you know, they are human as well. But and you can kind of yeah, you can you can say that as many times as you want in your head. But in the moment, how do you manage your nerves? So. I definitely still get nervous 
and I still have apprehension and anxiety, you know, even coming here today. I had no idea uh, about the environment. We had never met before. I, I didn't have any touch points, you know, but, but I knew that you had interviewed people that I knew um, and I, I had certain amounts of information to go by. So there was some familiarity and that's often what I cling to is, is familiarity. So whether that's um, recording, understanding audio, understanding good interview techniques, understanding um, what could spark a sense of conversation in somebody else. These are all frameworks of communication that are, again, those learned skills that you can sort of base everything around. And, and if we park that idea to the side for a minute, there's also the fact that communication is an expression of who we are. Um, and I'm very much a believer in those sort of like three waves of communication that you have. You have the intrapersonal or the inner dialogue. You have the interpersonal, like you and us sitting across uh, the table here. And then you have that mass communication, which is essentially what the listeners uh, are hearing because they're eavesdropping on this conversation. They're not a part of it. And when you break it down into that, managing my intrapersonal communication skills and my inner dialogue is my responsibility. It comes down to that self-management again, understanding what calms me down, be that the breath. Um, I, I had an interview yesterday, for example, and I knew that I hadn't eaten for about five hours and my blood sugar was about to crash. So making sure that I eat beforehand, making sure that I get enough yeah, sleep. It sounds so simple, but that's so true. Yeah, it's, it's just very basic things like that. Um, I've also worked as a journalist for, for a long time. Um, I have the ability to, to speak about most subjects because that's a requirement of my job. And I've also met a lot of people. So striking up a rapport or striking up a conversation with people is, is something that I have learned to do over the years. To be engaged with people, to hold eye contact, to use gesturing, to angle my body in certain positions. And this is just, um, you know, those 10,000 hours coming back to it again. And so I lean on a lot of these foundations in order to center myself, in order to calm myself. Um, I've done a lot of self-development. I've also gone through therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy for PTSD. Um, I've also gone through burnout. So I've done a lot of work on myself. Um, I still see a therapist. Um, I have you know, no qualms in saying that. We're not IKEA flat pack furniture. We don't come with instructions. Life is very, very difficult to manage, you know, regardless of, of our situation. We are human at the end of the day. And so um, I guess at the, the, the sort of crux of it, it comes down to, to, again, being kind to yourself. And some days that's easier to do and, and other days it's a little bit harder. But the nerves still get me, and this is something that I say in the fear detox as well, you know, fear isn't something that we should eliminate completely from our lives. Fear is great. As Elizabeth Gilbert says, it stops us getting in cars with strangers. It stops us going down a dark alley and putting ourselves in vulnerable positions. But separating your fear and that voice that is holding you back and elevating what your instinct is telling you, be that a drive or a passion to pursue something that pushes you outside of that comfort zone, is essential. And that all comes down to that self-management, um, recognizing those cues that your body is giving you, having that time on your own to develop that relationship and develop that inner dialogue, that intrapersonal communication. And that foundation then allows you to have stronger relationships with somebody else in an interpersonal space, and then be able to be really present and really acknowledge the message that you're broadcasting to, to a mass audience as well. So I very much think of it in a, in a systematic yeah. way. Yeah. Um, I love Elizabeth Gilbert, by the way. I was literally listening to her Super Soul Conversations, yeah. uh, most recent podcast with Oprah last yeah. night. I, I adore her. Um, but yeah, you're right. And I think 
for me, I'm going through a huge personal development um, process mm. at the moment. And one of the things I'm trying to get used to is it's okay to be really nervous or scared about something yeah. because then I, I'm, I'm actually quite enjoying the feeling of once I push myself to do it, the feeling I get after. Yeah, the Even if it didn't go 100% how I thought it might or, um, you know, I stumbled along the way, I'm, I'm getting used to that feeling of feeling the fear and doing it anyway yeah. because afterwards the payoff is worth it. But it's, it's hard to start yeah, it's sometimes... Once you get a couple under your belt, you're like, okay, I know how this works, but it is hard to start, isn't it? And and sometimes it can be really hard to get out of your head and, and to not think in the subjunctive. And I love looking at research in academia. I'm a lifelong learner. And, and one aspect of this was actually a, a TED talk about thinking in the subjunctive, about the fact that the English language allows us to think about those potential futures and those potential scenarios. And um, uh, I'm studying um, at a business school and <laughs> we, we were doing scenario planning and um, the, the instructor and the lecturer came up to me and, and said, oh, this is something that we did at Shell and we've done with this government entity and all of these very rigorous sort of big names. And I just looked at him and I said, well, scenario planning is easy for somebody with anxiety because I've already thought out 10,000 scenarios that you probably haven't even you know, realized at all, which he just thought was hilarious. But I'm like, this is easy. Scenario planning is easy because you give me any event and I can tell you how it's going to go wrong a and thousand you different it in ways. in your head. Yeah. You have movie scenes in your head of yeah. all these different possible outcomes. But thinking in the subjunctive is, is what we as English speakers are only allowed to do because of our language. If we didn't have the linguistic ability to think of the, you know, those potential scenarios or the, the shoulda, woulda, couldas, we wouldn't be able to think like that. It wouldn't even occur to us because it wouldn't be in our vocabulary. For example, in the Vietnamese language, they don't have those potential scenarios. They don't have the linguistic ability to describe those. So they just see events for what they are, which I think could be a blessing <laughs> for a lot of us. Well, around anxiety. Yeah. 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 And so often I'll, you know, I'll be chatting through my mum with something and she's like, Peter, stop saying what if. Let's not go through all the different things that could happen. Let's control the controllables and think about what we're doing now. Yeah. There's no point saying, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? So, um, yeah, I think that could actually be a blessing, yeah. especially if you, if you struggle with anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, so we've touched on this a little bit, but let's say you do have something, um, you know, like the Gary Vee um, interview and Huda and Mona on the same day. You're also doing your own uh, public speaking engagements. How do you prepare in the run up to those to manage your nerves? So understanding exactly what I'm nervous about, I think is great because often you can just say, oh, I'm afraid or oh, I'm nervous. And then that blankets everything and every action and every thought that you have. And so understanding again that inner dialogue, thinking I'm really nervous about the technology failing. Okay, one from a log logistical perspective, what can we do to make sure that we back up and things like that? And then what can we do about our internal dialogue? What are those self-limiting beliefs that we're holding back that we don't have people who are trusted or able or we don't have the technical know-how to be able to fix a problem when it arises. Well, actually, I've worked in radio for a while. I know how to fix anything. Plus, we've got backups. Everything will be covered. You know, It's unlikely that we have the trifecta of all lights, all sound, every battery failing. 
in the vicinity of, of you know, let's, let's sort of bring it back a, a little bit there. So self-limiting beliefs, which is day one of, of the fair detox is, you know, your go-to, understanding exactly what that internal dialogue is. And then really understanding what it is that motivates you, what it is that fires you up and gives you passion. For example, I love walking, I love listening to podcasts, I love getting a, a good night's sleep. Um, I love being able to talk through and vocalize what exactly is going to happen and to physically walk through a space and really get to know it from all different angles. So I made sure that I, I went there a few days before, I got to know exactly what the layout was, the event organizers sent me through their sort of floor plan and, and everything like that. I also made sure that I had enough time, that I wasn't rushing. I had snacks in my bag, I had water, I had a backup um, wardrobe if something malfunctioned with my wardrobe. I made sure that I covered all of my bases so that I was responsible for everything and once you're able to very clearly see exactly what it is that you were fearful of you can manage that fear because the fear was that I would have a wardrobe malfunction and that would cause me you know great embarrassment or it would mean that I would potentially you know ruin this one meeting that I would have with uh, Gary V when all of a sudden okay I have a backup for that I have a plan uh, you know if all else fails I can go into plan B and make sure that I execute that right and you've got that covered all right, so I don't need to think about that anymore because I know that that's taken care yeah, of. Like tick that off the list. So that's one thing I don't need to be nervous about. I don't need to be nervous. Yeah. Now I just need to focus on really elevating myself. So what are the enabling beliefs that I'm going to develop? Well, I have been chosen for this interview because the event organizers trust me. I've been vetted by his PR team because they also trust me. I knew them, I'd worked with them before, and so they you know, knew exactly what to expect of me. I had created this reputation within the market, which I had been building for you know uh, over a decade now. So I had all of these really strong foundations to pull from. I also knew that my, my husband, who was on stage that day, was also going to be there. Um, I also knew that my camera operator knew exactly what angles I liked to be shot at we had the lighting all sorted we had the audio all sorted so I focused a lot on the positive and the reason why I was chosen to be there and also the fact that Gary V was walking into a completely new environment he had never gone to the event before he had never been in charger before he had never met me before he had never gone up on stage in the UAE at all before if we think about you know, the aspect that I was talking about before of them just being human, he had far more to be nervous than me. And all of a sudden when I could create this connection between me and him and understand that without sounding egotistical, there was a meeting of, of like-mindedness, all of a sudden we had this connection. We were both entrepreneurs, we were both curious and excited to meet other people. All of a sudden I had this, this leveling of, of the minds and, and of two people from totally different parts of the world. And I actually ended up going to dinner with him and his team later on. We were part of a special group invited by the organizers of the event. So there were about 40 of us. And my husband and I got five minutes. In fact, we're actually at the end of the Gary V vlog, which is crazy that he did this crazy seven hour vlog of his whole trip to the UAE um, and, and got to have a really great chat. And he, because of all of this time and effort and energy that I put into thinking it out, um, all of the fear and all of the enabling beliefs and, and covering all of this, he actually got up on stage um, and, and actually mentioned me in his speech and said, oh, the lovely lady that I just met just you know, asked me this really great question about who is it that I listen to? And because I had put all of that time and that effort and that energy into creating such a strong connection with somebody that I only had a 
two minute 49 second interaction with, I was able to make sure that I was planted in his mind because I had put him yeah. first. Making an impact on him. Making an impact on him and understanding that that interview wasn't about me, it was about Gary and making him as comfortable and extracting as much value from him as I could in that short space of time. And in order to do that, I had to put all of my fears, not you know, away completely, but to the side and, and focus on what was important in that, in that moment. And communication is entirely contextual. And because of all of that overthinking that I did and that planning, that preparation, I was able to execute. But it could have very easily gone wrong and we could have been talking about a different scenario. So... No, but preparation is the one word that keeps, that keeps going around in my head as you're speaking. It's like if you're... And, and preparation could be just by working on yourself as well, not just physically preparing things like backup and uh, extra wardrobe. It's, you, you really made sure you were absolutely as prepared as you could be well, in all areas. If, if you were running a marathon, you would be as well. And we look at public speaking, interactions, interactions or anything like that is the standalone event whereas why don't you know you wouldn't just get up and run 42 kilometers which is why people struggle so much because yeah. that it's something that they're not used to doing completely they tend to not prepare yes and then it's like this huge thing yeah um you know i was speaking to someone the other day that i'm actually going to put you in touch with because i think <laughs> i think you could really <laughs> help them and we will we will come on to the to the fear uh, de detox because i want to hear all about okay. it but this is someone very senior and he has to do a talk um, next month and he's already worried about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, because it's the biggest one he's ever done and he doesn't, you know, he's not used to having to public speak. And the easiest thing um, is just to like, okay, let's put all of that fear detour, uh, fear, sorry, let's, <laughs> let's put all of that fear into, <laughs> overwhelming with the, the key messages. Let's put all of that fear into a cupboard, lock it up, we'll just wing it on the day and yeah. forget it never happened. It was just a blimp in our life and hopefully it'll all be gone. Yeah, but actually if you just just manage that yeah like you said, what is it that I'm actually nervous about yeah um, and break it down and prepare yourself yeah just um, like you would a marathon give yourself the, the, the best chance possible completely yeah yeah because what do you want to do get up on stage and waste everyone's time no definitely yeah. not so 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 don't you have to value your audience you have to value the time just like the people listening or the people watching this you've got to make sure that you understand the position of, of privilege that you are in you know we are obviously bombarded by social media and all the platforms that this will be on there are so many people in the world that will never be able to have their voices or their ideas or their experiences heard. And communication is, is what makes us human. It's what makes the world tick. It's what brings business together. And yet so many people overlook it and see it as just something that they just need to get through when it's a privilege that you've got to take seriously. Yeah. So that leads us on beautifully to the fear detox. And this is something that I... I want to do myself okay so this is quite a self-indulgent question as well sure. please tell us what the fear detox is and how someone can enroll themselves on the fear detox so the fear detox started I started writing it when I was pregnant and about to give birth and then wrote a little bit more of it while I was uh, breastfeeding my boys in New Zealand in 2017 and it was sort of uh, cathartic in taking a lot of the self-development self and, and NLP practices and um, communication training that I had had and sort of putting it into a step-by-step, two-week process. So you can make small incremental change 
and make lasting change because it's it's trying not to eliminate all of that fear in one day, but it's understanding exactly you know what is is um, feeding on that fear, those self-limiting beliefs, and how can you counter them with enabling beliefs, for example. And so I wanted something that was bite-sized, easy to follow, something that would allow you to put all of your thoughts and ideas and energy into something physical and then be able to, to really feel like you had made change at the end of, of those two weeks. And so I put it out there just as a free PDF because it had helped me to start to rationalize this new journey that I was on as a mother and as a business owner. And it was crazy the amount of interest that I had from Canada and South Africa and uh, New Zealand and Hong Kong. Um, I've, I've made friends now from people that downloaded the Fear Detox and said, oh my God, thank you so much for creating something like this. And my business hat then went on and I thought, wow, okay, this has obviously gotten so much interest. Um, let's expand on it and refine it because I made no spell checks before I put, put it out. It's riddled with grammatical errors and things like that. Um, let me see exactly what I can do with it. And so it's actually coming out as a, as a proper book later on this year. Um, there's the Fair Detox for, for you, for the individual, and there's also the Fair Detox for work. So something that focuses a lot on uh, context and, and issues that are um, very specific to the workplace or to business, be that dealing with um, bosses who may be very intimidating or dealing with a lot of the fear around clients and client servicing and managing expectations and being able to be that little voice essentially that I wish that I had. You know, I wish I had the fear detox as I was growing up to understand that I didn't not want to be with people, I was just an introvert and I just needed to rationalize that and have a tool to be able to work it out on my own or to be able to understand that I love communication um, but I also love doing it in a way that, that respects myself and respects my boundaries, you know, to be a reality TV star isn't my idea of being in front of the camera, you know, being able to be somebody who is a provider of information and value is, is sort of more along the lines of me. And I wish that I had had something when I was in a very toxic work environment to be able to say, it's not you, you know, um, your sort of thoughts and idealistic view of, of HR being able to pluck you out of obscurity and work your way up the career ladder doesn't actually happen. But here's a toolkit that can help you work on that promotion or understand what work environment works for you. And so that's really the reason why I, I created these tools is to just give people a framework to be able to make that change that they want to in their lives without having to spend a fortune on it. And, and if this opens up um, uh, ideas around uh, a career change or enables them to uh, process difficult relationships that they may have or I went through full, full facial reconstruction in my mid-twenties due to a, a jaw deformity and a facial deformity that I had and a lot of these techniques of what I use to build myself up in, in those times of, of real rawness as, as a human and if they can help anyone to, to navigate those issues in their lives, then, then that's really what I want to have happen. So I, I feel like there's a little bit for everybody in them. And so the, the program is two weeks. And does this involve one-on-ones with yourself or is this very much um, they take the information from you and then they, di they yeah. digest it themselves? So it's a, a book, a journal essentially, where you read the passage and then have a journal entry to make that's uh, guided. So prompted questions and prompted input so that you can have... Um, an ability to see exactly where you're starting from and where you're ending. You can work through it in your own time, in your own space. Um, I am um, 
hoping that it may you know expand into into a course or into something that would be a little bit more tangible face to face but for right now the book is sort of the plan and and we'll see how that goes from there and when is the book coming out uh i i'm aiming for october okay by the end of the year yeah yeah so ready in time for sort of kicking off you know um the new year with uh, a bit of a bang with a, a fair detox and that's what i'm hoping to work towards for january yeah i think um I mean, I know for myself, the end of the year, it starts sort of mid-December. I start thinking, what do I want from next year? Yeah. What do I want to change? Let me get through Christmas and New Year's. Yeah, and then, yeah. it starts around mid-December for me. And I think um, one of the things that you just said that that really made me happy about the fear, fear detox is something that's digestible for people because I've got quite a few friends at the moment going through difficult work situations mm-hmm. that's seeping into their personal life yeah. causing them anxiety and um sometimes you don't have the the capacity to read a big book or um digest lots of information you just need something that that can sort of hold your hand and help you throughout yeah. what it is you're going through. And to just prompt somebody maybe in the right direction to say, yeah. you know, if this is really resonating with you and if this idea has clicked off a light bulb, maybe it's that opportunity then to reach out to an executive coach or to um, go talk to a therapist or a counsellor or to be able to reach out to HR and to be able to say, these are aspects of, of you know my job or my workplace that I don't enjoy. And to enable people to make change, however small or big in their life, in a way that allows them to work through that, that aspect of fear without eliminating it completely from your life. Yeah. I love the name as well, by the oh, way. Thanks. I love it. What would be your one piece of advice for anyone struggling with anxiety around public speaking or just general confidence issues? I know we've touched on this a little bit, Mm. but um, yeah, what do you think? So confidence for me is a verb. It's really getting out there and doing something. I think a lot of people think that confidence thinks... um, uh, They they would associate confidence with uh, a thought, you know, that, that I am confident... And, and therefore I am. And I think that's really easy to do, but, but for somebody who's struggled with anxiety and, and different mental health issues and, and has struggled with my confidence as well in, in my younger days, and to a certain extent now, I'm a mum, let's be honest, um, you can think, I am confident, and then very quickly think, oh no, but I'm not. You know, you think, I am confident. Yeah, let's not get too big for ourselves here. Yeah. Or something happens and then you think, oh no, actually I'm not very confident. Yeah. That's the universe giving me a sign and therefore yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I think confidence is confidence is a verb. It's the way in which you introduce yourself to somebody else by making eye contact. It's the way that you pick up the phone and tell that other person with the tone of your voice, I'm really excited to hear from you today. It's the way in which you walk into a room to give a presentation and enable yourself to think, I'm not gonna waste your time. I'm here to share with you my experience, my values, my expertise, to be able to give you something that you didn't have before our interaction today. And when you think about that, everybody has something special to share with the world. 
sometimes it takes us a little bit longer to understand exactly what that is. But for me, the ability to be able to communicate, whether that's to myself, one-on-one -on -one with somebody else, or to a mass audience, I try and ensure that all of those interactions mean that that person or those people have their lives elevated or enriched a little bit by our meeting and our interaction. And that's not to say that I'm a goddess that deserves to be loved by everyone and, and therefore I am. But it's the ability to say that I have had certain experiences and from those experiences I have learned lessons. And those lessons I want to share with you today. And I want to put people at ease. I want people to be comfortable to share their experience as well. And that's what I hope to impart with other people through, through a lot of my interactions, through the fear detox, through the training that I do. And to really understand that if you do have something a little bit more serious like anxiety or um, or some sort of mental health issue that is stopping you from what you understand could be your full potential. There is help out there, there is assistance, and there is no shame in seeking that. And for those of us that think, oh, I just don't want to do that because I don't want to, having to be vulnerable means that you're able to show your strength with other people. And vulnerability is, uh, I think, one of our most richest you know, human experiences. We can't grow unless we are able to accept what is and, and able to acknowledge exactly who we are as people, sort of warts and all, essentially. And being able to do that, to be vulnerable, to you know, choose courage over, um, uh, what's the, the Brene I'm Brown? I'm just thinking of Brene Brown. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the man in the arena quote. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and all of that, you know, everything that she says, which is, which is amazing and I think really, really relatable as well, means that, that confidence is, is how you treat yourself and, and how you treat other people. It's not just a thought and, and being able to embody that in a lot of the work that you do, either professionally or, or personally, um, but first and foremost with yourself is, is essential to making any lasting change in your life. Yeah. So other than um, enrolling in the fear detox, if you could give someone one piece of advice listening, maybe they've got a big presentation coming up or something that they're going to have to be speaking in public. What would be your one piece of advice for them? Is to put your audience first, always. Stop the focus from being on yourself and thinking about, oh, do I look fat on this on stage? Or, oh, the lights are too bright, they're gonna make my face look funny, or I'm stuttering, or I've got a lisp, or anything like that. As soon as you remove the focus from yourself and place it on your audience, you can make sure that you're not wasting their time. You can ensure that you're imparting value and expertise and experience and making sure that their time counts because time is so precious yeah. and life is so short and it could be over for all of us tomorrow. We hope that it isn't, but, but that is the reality. You know, there is only one certainty in life and, and that life will come to an end for us. Yeah. And my biggest fear for me to be vulnerable and to express with you now is that I won't be able to make enough of an impact and to make enough of a, a lasting legacy that people will be able to benefit from my time on this planet. And that all comes back to being kind on myself and then recognizing that my audience is my first priority always, whether that's, talking one-on-one -on -one or talking to a mass audience you've got to focus on them yeah yeah I think um I, I have a similar fear but it's not so much the impact on others and what I'm going to leave it's a bit more selfish am I going to be able to work on myself enough to be able to do all the things I want to do because there's a lot of things I want to do that I'm still scared about am I going to be able to get there quick enough that's that's my 
that's impatience my, yeah impatience and uh, do I have this in me all these things that I think I want to do and I'm going to be good at yeah am I really it's that sort of like imposter uh, imposter syndrome as well um so yeah thank you for sharing that with no, me thank you um we're gonna do a quick fire round now oh sure favorite quote <laughs> this too shall pass so much so that I almost... Oprah says this a lot. Oh, does I she? love that one. Yes, <laughs> she does. So I wanted to, in my younger days, I thought, oh, this too shall pass. It's, you know, it's my sort of roomy quote, my go-to. Um, and I was almost going to get a, a tattoo of it. And I'm glad that, <laughs> that I didn't because babies have left their impact and, and, and this too shall pass would have would have been this too shall little, pass. A little small one here on your on your wrist, maybe. Oh, no, I'm far, I'm far too safe now that... <laughs> I've expressed my pain threshold through labour. I'm, I'm not going to choose to go back into that. Just have it on post-it notes everywhere yeah. around you instead. Okay, I can get a temporary tattoo and, and paste it Yeah, on. exactly. <laughs> Best piece of life advice you've ever been given? Um, just to get over yourself, that, that um, if you think other people are thinking about you, they're probably not, they're thinking about themselves. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Favourite tool or app? for helping organize your life? Google Calendar. Yeah, I, it, it's really boring, but I love the fact that it comes up when I have to put in locations of places, it comes up with a yeah. little picture and yeah, yeah. It's funny because every everyone I've asked so far has said, they've sort of stumbled on this question. They're like, ooh, yeah, my calendar, pen and paper. They don't really have one. I haven't had anyone yet that's given me an app or something really kind of gadgety and, okay. and, and smart because that's what I need. <laughs> yeah a calendar i mean it's yeah it's, it's simple but it's effective and it's a, like a beautiful calendar and yeah. one that i rely yeah, on I, I use yeah. the google calendar as well uh biggest pet peeve when it comes to business dishonesty yeah i don't understand why people lie in business or don't um fulfill obligations yeah business is a is a transaction and and oftentimes even with contracts you can't get any more crystal clear than that but it still manages to, to be a huge issue. And I don't think it's just here in the UAE. I think it's worldwide, you know. Yeah, I think it's everywhere. You can have bad relationships and yeah. bad business partners, yeah. Yeah, we can't um, pin the blame on where we are, I think. with uh, Yeah, I think that's a worldwide issue. Most important life lessons so far? Um, that nobody is responsible for my or my career or my success other than myself. I um, I think for a long time still lived with um, and, and still very much I'm sort of thinking and processing as I'm talking, which you can probably hear now in my answer. For a long time, I lived in this fantasy idea of being able to be plucked out of obscurity and somebody saying. <gasps> you're such a great broadcaster or journalist. Um, we just need you for this TV series or we just need you for this radio show. Just like a model, you know, says, oh, I was just walking down the road with my yeah. friends and, and I was scouted. And now I'm on the cover of Vogue. Yeah, and yeah. it just, it all happened to me. It just um, happened overnight. It was just, yeah. And I didn't do anything apart from, you know, eat chips as I was walking down the road, you know. And 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 for the the 0.25% of people, probably as models, they you know, they have their claim to fame like that. For the rest of us, we've just got to slog it out. And it's it's perseverance, it's, um, you know, opportunities, it's, it's timing, it's a whole bunch of different stuff. And I obviously still have this sort of, that fantasy never like goes away. It's always there 
at the very sort of um, core of yourself. But I also have that life experience now of, of realizing that um, I'm not going to be plucked out of obscurity. That fantasy idea isn't going to come to fruition. And so I've got to make that success and I've got to make that luck. You, you probably had a couple of moments, though, maybe when you were with Gary Vee or on stage with Huda Amona, where you thought, oh, hang on a minute. This is something I, I maybe have dreamt, I, I was dreaming yeah. of before, yeah. but it's all your hard work and effort that has got to that point. Yeah. No one just knocked on your door and said, Anna, do you want to come do this? No. You know, so. And, and to be honest, that Gary Vee interview was only because I had um, a Google alert that came up with anything to do with Sharjah Entrepreneurship Festival because I wanted to follow up closely. And I had worked with Shara, the organizers before, but I was by no means, you know, uh, a part of Sharjah Entrepreneurship Festival or had any, you know, big aspect to do with it until I got a Google alert saying Gary V. Good old in. Google calendar. Yeah. Reminding come, come you. To, thank you, Google. Uh, <laughs> coming to Sharjah. And I looked at it and I thought, oh, this is weird. This is Business Insider in the States and it was exclusive content. And I then screenshotted it and sent it to the organizers and said, hey, what's this? Because this hasn't come out on any press release. Is this just a rumor? And they were like, how did, how did you get this? How did you know? We're going to announce it at the end of the week. And so I said, okay, I can either announce it today. This is journalism 101 coming into it. I've got the scoop. I've got the exclusive. Nobody else knows about this. I can either announce this today or I can keep my mouth shut about it. And I want an interview with him. And they were like, oh, we don't know. His time is so precious, this and that. And I said, well, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I won't say anything. You announce it on Thursday, but know that I've sort of done this little favor to you. And if it happens that he has five minutes free, I will take whatever time you can give me. And so I was always penciled in right before he went up on stage that the organizers said, okay, you'll do this interview. And that's because I had a rapport with them. You know, as I said, I built up this reputation and this relationship with them, with his PR team on the ground here and things like that. And that's how it paid off. But that was, you know, months out from the actual event and he could have very easily knock on on that plane and then that would have never happened you know so it could have gone a, a thousand different ways that that sort of like magical moment was down to you putting yourself out there yeah and working hard using all your experience yeah so unless you are that model walking down the street that's going to get scouted i think generally you like you're saying you have to just work as hard as you can create opportunities and create opportunities for yourself yeah and and i said to them okay um have you got you know anybody else that i can interview while i'm there because obviously i'm going to be all set up for it and they said oh we've got huda but we're not too sure and this and that and i said oh who's moderating and, and they were like oh it's just a speech and then two days later they came back to me and said oh we've put your name forward because huda wants a, a q q and a and so I said, oh, okay, sure. And so then I spoke to her PR team and we got the logistics of the interview set up and you know, vetted questions and things like that. I actually helped them with wardrobe choices because the stage was very, very high, but the chairs were very low. And so if you had anything that was quite short, it yeah. would have you know, um, rode up and the audience would have had a full view of, of that. And so I made sure that they were covered in that aspect and treated them with a lot of kindness and, and respect and understanding. And I was able to create a great rapport with them and the audience because obviously Mona had studied in Sharjah um, and their father had been a lecturer in Sharjah and so there was this great connection that we were able to, yeah. to create um, but that as well was just right time right place I'm thinking of um, it's an Oprah quote and I'm gonna have to google it yeah. as soon as we finish but it's something like because she doesn't believe in luck so oh, it's yeah, like it's luck is being prepared to meet the moment 
um, or, an opportunity and, and preparation. Yeah, something, yeah. something like that. Yeah, it's very much um, like that. And I'm sure people might look at look at your Instagram and website and think, oh, she's so lucky to be able to do that. When no, you have oh God, you that, have prepared. That was you have put in the groundwork. Yeah, that's over a decade of working seven yeah. day weeks and working sixteen even hour to know days. Little things like the angle. Okay, to to even have that thought of okay let me assist with the wardrobe here because i know that the angle here you know let's make sure everything's flattering and yeah um little things like that it just come it comes from experience doesn't it yeah if you could give your 18 year old self one piece of advice what would it be <laughs> oh um to back yourself a little bit more you know even now i still underestimate myself and it's very easy with social media to see a lot of um, people that work in my space and to think oh they have you know they have the wardrobe they have the team around them they have the big ticket events and things and i i don't do you know any of of that kind of stuff because it doesn't work for for me and my business um and it's very easy to all of a sudden look at that and think oh, I, I should be doing exactly what they're or i should be doing what they're doing or you know and i have never failed myself when i have backed myself um and and Reiterating that to myself is something that I still need to keep doing. But when you back yourself 100%, you never fail. You know, it could just be a learning opportunity, but, but really being able to, to back yourself fully and understand exactly what you're doing to stay the course and to pursue your passion and your vision for whatever professional or, or personal endeavor it is that you're chasing, you will never fail. Because being able to uh, accomplish that inner desire, like my summer school program, which has been three years in the making through people saying, oh, people here don't buy online or, oh, I don't like online learning or, um, oh yeah, but I, I want it in person. I was able to push through all of that and all of a sudden I've got 25 people from all around the world who have joined me for, for six weeks of just incredible change and working through module by module. They do it themselves, it is self-directed, but I'm with them every single step of the way. Um, and I knew that this was a model that I liked learning from and there must be other people that would like it as well. But it hasn't been easy, I had web developers fail me, other people who have run away with my money banking issues, trade license issues, having to take money just to pay my trade license because I wasn't making enough money and things like that, getting distracted with new products like the Fair Detox and then going back to my original focus point. And summer school this year, we've had um, you know personal tragedies that we've gone through in the past few weeks. I've put uh, pause on the ads. Um, I originally was hoping for five to 10 signups, ended up getting 25, smashed any goals that I thought that I would have, have paid back all the money that I invested into getting it off the ground. And it's like, okay, that's been, yeah, three, almost four years in the making now. And so... And if you'd have listened to all those people yeah, yeah. with the negative comments, I'm sure some people are just trying to give you constructive feedback, but with the negativity and not back to yourself... Maybe you would have gone, yeah, okay, I'll just park that for now. And yeah. it would have been delayed even further. Yeah. Or um, never, and you wouldn't be helping all the people yeah, that and you're helping now. Never completed and therefore never been able, you know, always have that niggling voice of regret mm. or, or, oh, I, I wish I had just tried harder or I wish I had just given it one more go. Because really it's... Just back to yourself. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have taken that much. And so now I feel like, ah, okay, I've broken through that. What's the next step now? Yeah. yeah. Okay, last question. What do you know for sure, Anna? Um, 
What I know for sure is that life is beautiful. It's not to say that it's without any hardships, difficulties, anxiety, fear, or anything like that, but life is so, so precious. And look at this. You and I have never met before. Here we are talking um, with people listening to us, uh, surrounded by a beautiful room with sun shining outside, uh, computer there, lights here. I have my boys to pick up in an hour and a half. I have my husband who's just gotten home from his appointments and things. I have my parents arriving on Wednesday from New Zealand. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, life is beautiful. I love that and I it makes me think of um, the Elizabeth Gilbert podcast that I listened to last night and uh, she was talking about a very personal tragedy she's recently gone through and she was just saying but I wouldn't change it because this is what I signed up for. This is life. Yeah. And it's so beautiful and I want it all. Yeah. Whatever that looks like and whatever is thrown at me, I'm willing to take all of it. Yeah. Because that that's what life is. Yeah. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you, Peter. And I thank you so much. I, I've personally learned a lot through through this interview conversation, actually. You've said, I hope I haven't seemed distracted because you've said quite a few things that um have really resonated with me and made me think so i personally really really enjoyed it so thank you so much no thank you i appreciate the platform thank you and i'm going to put everything in the show notes and on all our various different platforms like instagram and facebook and twitter um of where people can find out more about you and your courses yeah i love all the information will be out there i love getting dms i love emails if anyone has any questions or anything like that or if any of my anyone listening my rambling contact anna yeah if any (laughs) of my ramblings didn't make sense you've got me on dm or on email anytime yeah thank you so much thank you If you'd like to find out more information on Anna's programs, just check out the show notes below or visit Anna's website, www.imannaroberts.com. And you can also find her on Instagram with the same handle at I'm Anna Roberts. As always, if you'd like to find out who my guests will be on the next episode of Life School, follow us on Instagram at LifeSchoolME, where you can keep up to date with all our news and find information on all our amazing guests. And finally... I would be so grateful if you could show some love and please rate, review and subscribe to Life School ME the podcast to help us reach and hopefully inspire more listeners. Thank you for listening to Life School, conversations to inspire action.